Welcome back to the Humans of Education podcast. We are blessed to have none other than Mrs. Tara Martin on the show this week, the author of Be Real and Cannonball In. She brings so much authenticity and vulnerability and just so many great takeaways from this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get to the show, as always, the Humans of Education podcast is brought to you by TeacherFit and our TeacherFit partner schools. If you're interested in learning more about our mindfulness, our yoga, our fitness, our nutrition programs for our educators, schools, and school districts, be sure to check out the link in the show notes. Guys, enjoy the episode. Please leave us a comment, tag myself, tag Tara, and let us know what you think. Welcome back to this episode of the Humans of Education podcast. We are continuing our role with amazing guests in 2021. This week, we are fortunate to have Miss Tara Martin on the show. Tara, welcome to the Humans of Education. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. I'm super excited to be here today. Yeah, I've been a longtime follower of your work. I know you're doing amazing things in education, so it's an honor to have you on the show and go deep into you know, what drives you and who you are outside of education. So getting right to it, I like to start just to give the one to two listeners that we have that don't know who you are, um, a frame of reference to your work in education. So before we get out of education, I want to go into education. What's your, you know, background and your work that you're currently doing in education? Certainly. So I started out as a classroom teacher in the elementary level and loved my job. I was literally the teacher that cried every time it was Christmas break because I did not want to break. <laughs> like I was that teacher. I know it's crazy, but I moved into instructional coaching um, pretty early on, only after five years in the classroom. So it was so early. Like I wasn't ready to leave the classroom. I loved it so much, but I moved into instructional coaching and ended up really loving it. I spent a huge chunk of my educational career in instructional coaching, not just for school district, my school district, but also, um, well, not just for my school, but also for our entire district and then moved to another district and did the same work. So I really I've always loved any type of coaching, but that type of coaching was just so fun to see people where they are and help them to get to the next level where they wanted to be. And we had a voluntary type coaching model. So it's just a beautiful model too. Um, I later moved into administration where I worked at the district level. And we started a coaching program from the ground up. So we started an instructional coaching program from the ground up and have been trained by amazing coaches from around the world, Dim Knight, Laura Lipton, uh, all kinds of Bruce Wellman, some amazing instructional coaches. So we got to build like a Heinz 57 coaching model and start our own program in the smaller district. And that was just so much fun. Um, and then I was offered this incredible job that I get to do now, which I work for Dave Burgess Consulting as the director of PR and communications. And that is just a cool title for a lot of fun things I get to do with <laughs> authors. I get to do a lot of design and creating. I do all of the ghostwriting for our company, um, all the website designs, those kinds of things. 
and graphic designs for our images, but I also get to coach novice authors and help them walk through the process of writing a book and launching that book into the world. So I get to use all the things that I learned in all my other roles of education in this role and have just a ton of fun doing it. Yeah, I love it. And I love the wide range of experience in education. And now you're doing stuff outside of education, but still heavily involved, which I love to hear. And we've talked previously on your podcast and other times about the work you do with authors. And I want to just dive in real quick to your coaching with authors. I know a lot of educators have books now or are aspiring to write books, and they have so many great messages. What are you know one to two things that educators who are transitioning or adding to being an author to their life, what do they struggle with? And then how do you coach them through that? You know, I think a lot of people are really excited at first, you know, when you have a great idea, they're super excited, but there comes a place where you're in the writing process, at least the authors that I work with and you, and our books too, the Dave Burgess consulting books have this personalization piece. It's not just technical text. It's also adding like some of your real life, your real story in there. And I think that's why you can see people sitting on the beach reading a professional development book because it is, it does have that piece. And but that piece is so important and it draws people in and it connects with the reader, but also on the backside as the author, it's really difficult to share that vulnerability with the whole world and print knowing that you can't like draw it back in. <laughs> I didn't you can't like <laughs> recall, like, I don't want to do that anymore. I changed my mind, delete. Um, you can't do that. And so I think that's where a lot of authors that I work with sh- go through this emotional roller coaster where I can coach them through like, Hey, the reason this is so difficult to share is because it's going to relate to so many people. Oftentimes I think it's the most vulnerable moments that you put out there and people are like, Oh, that's me. Like I'm dealing with that too. And that's actually what ends up selling your book in the first place, but not just selling your book, but selling your message, because that's what it's all about. I always try to help authors. Remember, we're not trying to sell us. We're not trying to sell ourselves. We're trying to sell our big idea. We're trying to sell our message because we feel like this message is so important that if people don't adopt this message, then consequences are surely going to arise for all the students out there, all the teachers out there. I mostly work with educators, uh, educator writers. So I tell them, stop thinking like, I can't do this. I don't want to promote myself. I don't want to promote myself. It's not you. you. You have this valuable message that only you can tell. And you got to get it out there because if you don't, what might happen if the world doesn't receive this message? And so when I can ever get them to feel like super confident and mostly at the end of our calls, I feel like they usually are. They might call me the next day starting all over again, <laughs> but um that's, that's usually what we're working through. And I, I would just, anybody listening, remember everyone has a story and nobody can tell your story quite like you. Nobody has the experiences. No one has all of your talents, your strengths, your weaknesses. They don't have your story. So no matter if you want to write it, maybe writing is not your jam, but maybe telling it storytelling or sharing it with others but share your story. We are made better when we like join together and we share our experiences with others because that's what it's really all about. And everybody has a powerful message to share. I feel like they just need to get it out there. 
Yeah, I love so many points that you just made. And the first one is that storytelling. Like our history is built on stories being passed down. And I think we've lost that. And instead Mm -hmm. of sharing our own personal stories and own personal journeys, we're just like kind of going about life. Maybe, Maybe social media is that now, like we get to observe stories. But as far as like sitting down and writing or vocalizing your story. I feel like we're missing out on that. And I would love to see more and more of that. So I love that that is worked in to the book writing process and the books that I've read from DVC all include that when, which is why me not necessarily being a classroom teacher can still enjoy the books because there is that human aspect to them. And the second part I like is tying vulnerability and that nervousness to your, your higher calling of getting your message out. And what if you don't get the message out? Like if you don't share this, someone's going to be missing out. And that's something I personally struggle with uh, on the business side is that this morning I spent you know an hour reaching out to principals, trying to get them share the teacher fit message, the student fit message. And I'm like, I hate emailing principals. I know they're busy, but then I have to remind myself that like, I know this program can change a teacher's life that they're in charge of or a student's life. And if I truly believe that, then I should be sending a thousand emails a day because if I don't, that student or that educator is going to miss out on an opportunity to change their life. And I think that is just a powerful message because we, we all go internal and like, oh, I can't write that or I can't say that or I don't want to reach out. But if we, you know, stop thinking about ourselves, maybe that's the big takeaway. Instead of thinking about ourselves, think about who we're trying to impact and we can you know, easily do that and take that step. So I love that message. So transitioning now out of education, tell us who you are in the everyday world. I meet you on the street. We're walking down, mask on, of course. Um, Who are you? Tell us, let us get to know you a little bit. So I am a mom of a 19-year-old. I know, I can't believe it. A grown Um, adult. (laughs) When did that kid grow up so big? Um, Well, I can believe it because he gives us a run for our money, but I love that kid so much, Caleb. He is definitely my most prized possession and so excited. I love, I love being a mom. I love all the different stages of it. Um, Been married for 22 years. So got married really young, had Caleb just a few years later, three years later. And um, yeah, I am a girl who loves writing. I journal every single day. It's something that's really important to me. I love to coach myself, which is so weird in my journal. And I spend a lot of time just reflecting on the day and what could be done a little bit differently and how can I make that happen the next day. It's a part of just everything that I do. And I also love to read. I love to work out. I do CrossFit. That's always, uh, that's a new thing for me in the last year, but it's definitely something that's been very helpful for me in many different ways. And I honestly, I love like watching, I live in the country. So I love just watching like the birds and the light, the animals like roam around in our property I'm just kind of a pretty boring girl, honestly, (laughs) but I love art museums. I'm just kind of a geek, but yeah, that's pretty much me on the street. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I think we're all, as we get older, even more so just more nerdy. And like, if our younger selves would look at us, be like, oh, you are lame, but it 
it's, it works right now and I love it. Um, <laughs> so I always like to ask people who I think are very high performing, high achieving individuals that come on the show. Where do you find your passion? Where do you find your drive? Not in a like, oh, my passion is this, but like on a day-to-day basis, what gets you up? What makes you, you know, take those steps each day to impact people and execute your work? Honestly, Nick, I, I think for me, it's just so many things, a lot of things that I just named, honestly, but I think in metaphors, I, I almost feel like I probably just live in a metaphor and um, anything that I'm doing, I'm always relating it to life, to accomplishments, to success, to how I use this in my everyday. And so I start my morning like I said earlier, journaling. And then right after that, I go work out. So those are my two most common things I do first thing in the morning. It really sets me up for a good day. But as I'm working out, I mean, you know a lot about CrossFit because you used to be a CrossFit coach, but it's fairly new to me, only a year. And I find that in the CrossFit gym, it's it's much like a classroom, you know, where everything is personalized, um, scaled, you have these opportunities to find where you are right now and grow to the next level. And when you do, there are people right there cheering you on. And it's we're like competitive with each other, but yet we love each other, we support each other. So there's just so much about that that I feel like it really drives me to read different books, to view things from a lens of healthy competition, but also competing with myself and always trying to chase that next PR. Like, what is my next PR? What is my next skill that I want to learn? And I feel like CrossFit has become this thing that helps me to realize that one, I have a brand new definition of what hard is. Hard used to be a different definition. Now, now, now I almost feel limitless, you know, and, and that is, I look at books that I read. I look at people that I meet from that lens now, and I'm constantly sharing that out with the people that I coach too. You know, this isn't really a barrier. This isn't really hard. Really, we can, we can break this up into smaller chunks and we can actually make this a success. And so what drives me, I guess, I don't know if I answer the question, but I feel like my morning routine kind of drives me to see things from a different lens. And then I'm constantly reading books. I am a self-help nonfiction girl, love reading all kinds of stuff from neuroscientists to successful entrepreneurs to educators. Like it doesn't matter, but I'm always looking to like grow myself and to do better. Yeah. I love that. And I think we have that in common is that, that nonfiction, not necessarily self-help, but growth development, um, the constant learner. And I love that. So I want to know, what are you learning right now? What's something you've recently uh, like basically tasked yourself with, with learning or getting better at? What, what are you currently working on? Um, fitness wise or just like in general? In life. Let's go separate okay. from fitness in life. Okay. In life. Um, so one thing that we're, I'm learning right now is how to create courses, like digital courses. So that's something new for me. I've never done that before. And obviously that's what your business is based off of. So you're (laughs) probably an expert of it. Um, But I think it's just, I've always been able to deliver my message live 
and travel around. And I really have always really enjoyed that being able to read the audience. But I feel like, um, and I've had a YouTube channel for a long time, but creating a course that is meaningful, that's a, a certain uh, length that makes sense for people. And then also making sure that like that I'm selling that big idea. So whatever the the big idea of that course is that I'm able to deliver it in a short amount, short amount of time with just the right materials, exactly what the people are going to need. And they are going to be able to take it and deliver that to a lot of people. I feel like you could just duplicate yourself. It's kind of like the best way of cloning yourself. Then I could travel and speak too. And other people could be watching these videos and learning some great things as well. So that's like one of the things that I've been dabbling into learning and trying and not only for myself, but also for the company. So DBC Inc is starting, we're going to start making our own courses too. So it's just, I don't know. That's one thing that I'm learning right now. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of fun. That's something I enjoy about what we do or I do on a a personal level and a professional is that there's always going to be challenges and 2020 had them all right. And being able to adapt and learn and with the power of the internet, we're so lucky to have it that we can continue to learn and teach ourselves. And I actually had a conversation last night with another uh, like pers- person that's in education, professional development, and he's doing the same thing. He's like, I had to adapt. I used to travel and speak and do all these things. And now I can't like, how can I continue to you know, reach people and impact people. And he's like, I'm working on courses. I don't think they're good right now, but I'm continuing to learn. And it's exciting that I'm doing something different. And I love that. So that's kind of where you're learning and growing, Um, getting back to vulnerability, which you kind of mentioned with the authors that you're working with, where do you currently struggle or where are you seeking advice or help in your life right now? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so I'm very passionate about vulnerability. I think it's just such a, it's, it's a, like a topic. I feel like in 2020, I'm, I'm going around the answer, but I am going to answer it. I promise. Well, I will get there. Um, <laughs> in 2020, I feel like it became a, a more open topic for people to be able to share more of their vulnerability. And I heard a quote from Brene Brown yesterday. I love her work. I really appreciate her work, but she was on the Kelly Clarkson show and she was talking about, um, people that set boundaries, um, are the most compassionate is what she said. And her 20 years of studying, she thought she would find that people that were the most compassionate were the ones that had this commonality of spirituality or something like that. But what she found is they had they set boundaries. And I thought, well, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. And she went on to explain that, you know, a lot of times we think people are just guarding their heart. They're just protecting their heart. And, um, and they're like, it's almost like a flaw. Right. But she said, she doesn't view it like that. After all her studying, she learned that boundaries were actually a pathway to self-love and, I love that quote. It's just really stuck with me ever since I listened to her say that it was only two days ago. And I think about that when I think about myself, you know, there are certain things in my life that I have to do. I have to set my morning up the way that I set it up, but, and it it is a pathway to self-love, but it's also a pathway for success. And I feel like when I don't have those things set up for me in my life, then I start to struggle and I start to feel like I can't accomplish all the things that I need to accomplish. 
I can't be fully who I need to be for all the people I need to be for, you know, in the day to day, we talked about this before we joined the show. Like people are constantly calling, they need something, they need someone to talk them off the ledge when they're writing this book or trying to launch it, all these different things that they're dealing with. And our world is crazy. Like everything's going up and nothing makes sense. And so to stay grounded I have to have those boundaries in place. And so I don't know. I think one of the things that I struggle with is if I ever try to get all of my to-do lists done every single day and I just neglect the things that I know are very important to me, that's when I find my biggest struggle. That's when I end up calling Dave and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this work. Like it's so stressful. And then Dave has to talk you off the ledge. (laughs) And he has to talk me off the ledge, right? The coach needs coaching too. And so, um, yeah, that's, I'm honestly at this moment, I feel really healthy and strong, but I really think that it's mostly because of those boundaries um, that are in place right now, because when they aren't, I can go into an emotional tailspin for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think I love that. And I love Brene Brown. And if you guys haven't read Daring Greatly or her other works, definitely check them out. I recently, actually this past weekend, I believe, listened to her on a podcast with um, uh, Tim Ferriss. Oh, name almost lost me. So he, she was on Tim Ferriss. It's long form. If you've never listened to Tim Ferriss, you should definitely do that as well. But Brene Brown and Tim Ferriss podcast. And there's so many great points about vulnerability and all the things we're talking about right now. So I love that. Um, if, if you were giving, if you were coaching an educator who their morning is just hectic, it is waking up, rushing with kids, grabbing a bar for breakfast on the way out, rushing to school. What would you give as far as like one tip to an educator who wants to start establishing those boundaries for their morning routines? Like, you know, you've, you've brought it up a few times that, you know, you wake up, you journal, you have your workout and those are set in stone and no negotiations. And I love that. I think it's a powerful tool. What's one thing an educator can do today, starting tomorrow morning, to start like setting that morning boundary to set them up for success? Yeah. I, you know, a lot of times people ask this question and I feel like the very one thing that you can make time, a lot of times you don't feel like you can make the time, but the truth is we just have to train our body to wake up just a little bit earlier. And I know it's frustrating, but I'm a mom too. And I get it. And I've always had this crazy discipline. Like if I have that time, everything else just goes better. So I might as well go to bed earlier. Like, you know, and I know, I know there's a lot of schedules out there, but one of the things I encourage people to make time is five minutes. If you can make five minutes every single morning, five minutes. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what to do during those five minutes, if you do some form of breathing. So one of my favorite breathing techniques is triangle breathing. And it's where you just breathe in for five seconds, hold it for five seconds, breathe out for five seconds. And I'll do that for a minute. And then I just will look off into space and then I will do it again. Five seconds in, five seconds, hold five seconds out. It's, it's so small, but if I make the time every single morning before I drink my tea to do that breathing then you start to set these routines in place. Like, oh, that made me feel better. That made me just clear my mind. Another um, five minute activity that I love to do and I, I love to encourage other people to do is called morning pages. I don't do it quite like it's Googled out there. 
If you Google morning pages, you'll see a lot of different ways to do it. For me, I just get up and write. Sometimes if I don't know what to write in my journal, I'll do morning pages and I just write a stream of consciousness. This is like everything that's in my mind because I have a thousand ideas running at all times, even when I first wake up. So I just write everything that's in my mind and I literally tear those pages out and throw them away unless they're a great idea. Most of it's like crazy dreams I had or just random thoughts I'm having or something that I'm reflecting on that doesn't really matter. But I'll just throw those away. And what happens with that process is that you clear your mind for allowing it some creative space for later. So little stuff like that, just starting with five minutes a day and getting into the routine of that before you know it, you will want to add on to it. It's just like when I started CrossFit, when I started CrossFit, I went three days a week. I never did accessories. I never did extra I was like, this is the craziest amount of working out that I've done in a long time since competitive kickboxing as a teenager. And I'm like, that's it. That's all I need. I'm 42 years old. And before you know it, I'm like checking my nutrition. I count my macros. I do (laughs) accessories every day. I'm working out five days a week. And on the other days, I'm doing active recovery. You know, so I think if you could just start with anything, you build a habit. You do that for a couple of months. I did the three days a week for like six months before I ever started adding stuff on. But then you like, Ooh, I like the way this feels. So I want to add a little bit more and I want to add a little bit more. And I realized if I just wake up just five minutes more, I could probably do a little bit of yoga. And then if I wake up just five minutes more, maybe I can, maybe I can use some dumbbells and make myself feel a little better, run a little bit or run around the block. And so I feel like if you can start small, chunk it up, then before long, you're staring that lofty goal that you wanted in the first place, right in the face and you conquer it. Yeah, that's that is a perfect response of starting small, doing something that's easy that you can start to build those small victories um, on the way to adding more, that compounding interest, and then lo and behold, you're you're doing crazy CrossFit seven days a week and tracking your nutrition, and everything else. Um, cool. So I want to switch gears a little bit. I reading your blog, I came across an article seeking value versus finding value, and it very much resonated with me. Something. I have felt and still feel a lot of times. And I wanted to to dive into that topic and see where it takes us. But can you explain the article and seeking value versus finding value and kind of how you're inspired or what drove you to write that? Yeah, it's been a while since I wrote that. I feel like I need to pull it up. (laughs) I I went back in the archives. (laughs) Yeah, you did a good job. Um, I mean, I am going to pull it up. But seeking value, I think it's so important. So a lot of times... I mean, where the idea came from is I'm constantly advising people on um, social media posts, right? A lot of authors are constantly putting out information, right, right, out on social media. And and I think this idea kind of stemmed from that, you know, it was one of those things where I, I felt like people were just looking for a way to feel valued. They were Mm -hmm. looking at that number of followers. They were looking at whatever it was to find this value. And one of the things I would try to express to them is like, you have to know your value. Like other people don't get to define your value. You decide, you decide that. And, And seeking versus finding I think it just changes the whole dynamics because once you actually find value and you see it in other people, 
that you're not then looking for them to give you value. You're like, Hey, I see this incredible talent that you have. And I think you need to share that with the world. That's constantly what I'm doing. I'm looking out there, finding people that need to share their story with the world and need to, um, I need to amplify their voice. I need to see what it is that, that they have that's so powerful and help share that with all my audiences because more people need to hear this. More people need to join Teacher Fit. You know, whatever it is that I, I'm just firmly believing in. And when you start seeking value, what you end, uh, or finding value in other people, what you end up finding also is value in yourself because you realize that you are kind of a amplifier of amazing talents, of amazing value, if you will. And without you, maybe they couldn't have reached that audience. So you actually end up finding va- finding value in others, ends up finding value in you, if, if that even makes sense. Yeah, for sure. You end up seeing it for your, in yourself more. But you have to switch your view. You can't constantly be seeking the value of others because I think we'll all, people, one, humans are fallible. And they're confusing and they are fickle. And so when we're constantly looking for others to decide our value, we, we leave so much on the line out there, you know, and they can change their mind at any point, but we learn our value for ourselves, and we're not worried about that, but we're worried about finding the amazing talent, the value out there into the world. Then I think that's when we really increase our value as well. Yeah. I love the article and the explanation and the probably practical. better in the article. <laughs> Definitely check out the article, uh, read it. There's some great examples of practical application in the article, whether it's going to appear a fellow teacher and saying like, Hey, like you are doing an amazing job and like you are inspiring these students or going to a student and saying like, you have this like great story and passion for insert whatever. And it just being a complete game changer, because I don't think there's enough of that today because a lot of us guilty, uh, I'm probably one of the more, more guilty. And we all experience it. They're like, you're putting stuff out and you're creating content or whatever it may be. So people look at it and say, Oh, that's really great. And you're like, you're, you know, seeking value through social media. And it's so easy to do with social media. It like amplifies how bad we are in that realm. But when we turn it around, just like we said earlier, focusing on other people, focusing on what you can do for someone else, it's, it's going to come back to you tenfold. Not that you're seeking it, but you're going to end up finding it. And I, I just love that message and want everyone to go read that article because I really think it was great. Um, well, thank you so much. That I, and you know what, Nick, the 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 easy the thing about finding value is so easy. It's so easy. It's almost like finding gratitude. It's so easy when you look around. There's so many amazing things happening, and when you just change your focus and you stop shining the flashlight on the spotlight on yourself and you just kind of turn it around, yep. you can literally just see all of these amazing things out there. So actually verbalizing that and saying something is the step of action, you know, for, yeah, we can find the value, but I almost think you need to take it a step further and express that value to that person because it can be a a game changer, a day maker for people. Yeah. Not only are you going to change the individual that you're supporting and expressing and building that relationship with, but I think there's that, that 
that good feeling that comes back to you that you don't even you know, think about from when you're helping someone else, or you see that smile light up on someone else's face that, that makes you feel good. So it's like, it's a win-win across the board. So again, I just, I love that message. Last little piece before we get to our quick fire questions that I ask every guest, I've got the second book cannonball in right here, beautifully written, beautifully, um, drawn. It's, it's an amazing book. Tell us what is the idea behind Cannonball and, and then what drove you to write it? I'm passionate about this, you know, taking that leap, if you will. So kind of just tell us about the book and, you know, what drove you to write it? Awesome. Well, this is, so I normally, I tell people this all the time, but this is a, I create a bunch of projects, right? And I get the opportunity to have my hands on a lot of projects, but this is my most favorite. I mean, I, and awesome. I, I know that sounds so conceited, but I've never said that about anything that I've ever created in my whole entire life, except for Cannibal Inn. It's just a project that I, I firmly believe in. And I feel like the message, it's like what I was saying earlier. I feel like the message, like if people could receive this, the opportunities and the creations out, the prolific collaborative creations that we could have in this world would be dynamic. And I, and that's why I wrote Cannibal in because I feel like that a lot of us have the skills that we need to go deeper, to try something new. And in the book, the little girl was just great. And it's based off a true story. This is like a real story of me getting to go to the city pool, like once every summer, because our family <laughs> couldn't afford it. But, um, and I would spend my one time that I got to go there swimming in the shallow end, but my dad who raised me, <laughs> obviously doesn't look like me in the book. You'll notice that, but he, um, <laughs> there, is a, there is a little bit of a resemblance. <laughs> that little girl looks like me, but my dad doesn't look oh, like okay. me. Yeah. So, yeah. So he, um, he finally, he was always jumping off the diving board, doing the cannonballs and all the different, um, can openers, all the big splash moves. And I wanted to be a jumper so bad, but I would spend that one day every summer, just swimming in the shallow end that I was really good at. And one day he just came to me and he said, Hey, you, you know, Tara, you should, you should jump. Like it's time. I'm like, I want to so bad, but I just can't. And I feel like in life, we do that. We have these big lofty dreams. We're really excited about them. We have all the skills we need to really do it. Because one of the things he told me in the book, and it is what he told me in real life too, you can swim in the shallow, you can swim in the deep. It's the same water. Like it doesn't matter. You don't need a touch to be able to swim. And I think sometimes we just, we think the water's too deep. We think the idea is just too big. Like we're not going to be able to swim over there. But the truth is when I finally got up the courage to actually jump and to actually do it, I was fine. I could right. swim. I never touched the bottom, but it was fine. I swam to the top. I got out. My wave was, my splash wasn't as big as my dad's or any of the 200 pounders that were jumping off those diving boards, but I made waves, right? I did something. I created a move 
that wasn't created before. And I faced criticism in the book. Um, she faces the dabblers. And I feel like the more content we put out there, the more chances we are going to deal with dabblers, the haters, the people that aren't creating content. They're beautiful. Yep. They're sitting on the sidelines. They're not jumping, but they're giving all the feedback to the jumpers. Although do they even really know how to jump? That's the question. And so one of the things I, I appreciate what I, I like about the book. And of course I wrote it like this meaningful intentionally that it comes full circle. So not only does the little girl jump, learn how to deal with the criticism because she was headed back to the shallow end when her dad told her, you know what? You weren't born to sit on the sidelines and watch the jumpers. You were born to jump. And I think for anyone listening out there, you weren't born to sit and watch the Nick Manns of the world chase his dreams and crush them. You were born to chase your dreams and crush them too. Like everyone out here under the sound of my voice, I feel like we have ideas that we squish down for one reason or another. We think we don't have time for it. We don't know if we have the skills for it. You do. Get out there, jump. Will you belly flop? Of course. Of Absolutely. course. I belly flopped a lot of times, but sometimes I made a really big splash and you never know the far reaching effects of your splash. So at the end of the book, it comes full circle. Yeah. Those dabblers were making fun of her. She didn't do good enough for them, but there was two little kids over in the shallow end that were like, Hey, that was the best cannonball ever. Like I want to do that one day. And she said, you know, take my hand, I'll go with you. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to not only model what we want, model chasing our dreams, model what that feels like, looks like, sounds like. But then we, we when others are like, hey, I want to do this too. You grab their hands and say, come on, let's, it's time. Let's cannonball in. You got this. And then you're right there cheering them on. So Cannonball Inn is a message about taking risks. It's a message about reminding people that your dreams, no matter how old you are, are not dead, that you can chase them. And you probably, if you're older and you're in your, your later years, you have a lot more skills to be able to sustain jumping and, and making a splash. And also to remind you that um, people are watching you. You know, you never know the far reaching effects of your splash. So it may be a little ripple to you, but it could be something really amazing to others. So don't compare your splashes to those that are maybe doing better than you. Just compare it to your next big goal. Chase your own PRs. Yeah, I love the message, love the book. And I think there's so many common themes from what we've talked about today, you know, being vulnerable, taking risk, you know, taking that step forward because you never know who you're going to impact. And like people are watching and there's going to be those people on the sidelines, but there's also the people that are two steps down from those on the sidelines that are watching and admiring and learning. And you're setting that example. And obviously I'm big on leadership by example and impact by example. And I think this is a perfect like written form of that. So I appreciate that you love this project. I think it's amazing. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. Let's get to the final couple of questions. I know you are busy, busy. Um, the first question I ask everyone, what is one topic in education that is not currently taught that every student should have? These are supposed to be fast. <laughs> <laughs> you could take a second and think if you'd like. So one, repeat the question, please. One, <laughs> I feel like I'm on a game show. <laughs> one subject in school that is not currently taught that every student should have. I would say empathy. 
Tell me why. I just feel like if we can start to see things from other people's perspective and quit thinking that ours is the only one, then, um, and if we could teach that somehow, I feel like, I just feel like in all areas of life, it would just be better. Too often we think our idea is the only one. Yeah, I think that's possibly more important now than ever before, as we see in the world. I love that answer. I think emotional intelligence could be the course title um, because a lot of us are extremely lacking in that uh, subject. Next question. If you were going to give a TED talk this weekend, what would the subject be? Oh, it'd probably be along being real, which is an acronym, relatable, exposed vulnerability, approachable, and learning through life and cannibaling it. It would be a combination of those two for sure. Love it. Love it. Love it. And last but not least, when your work is done in education, what will education look like and how will it be different? Not that it will ever be done, but if you were to be, I am complete, this has happened. What does that look like? That looks like everybody being able to embrace their full identity, exactly who they are, bringing their, their past and their present and, and their strengths, talents, and weaknesses all to the table and being able to, to take these creative risks and be in a safe place. And yeah, I think that's really that would be a great classroom to live in. And also just kids going out into the world, knowing these skills, being able to see people for who they are, being able to respect them, have this empathy, and also feel comfortable taking risks, but also encouraging others to take risks. I really think if my work is done, everybody's doing that. I don't need to preach my message anymore. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, What's beautiful to see is that that's tied to exactly what you're doing right now, helping authors be vulnerable, tell their story, and really maximize their impact on other educators or students or whoever it may be they're writing for. So I love seeing that your work is heading that direction, and I think it's possible. So I commend you for that. Where can everyone follow you? What's the best place to support you, check out the books, your podcast? Uh, Where should people go? Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Tara Martin EDU. I'm, I'm probably most present there. And also on Instagram, Tara M Martin, two M's, Tara M Martin dot real. And then my website is Tara Martin, Tara M Martin dot com. So I always have an extra M in the middle. My middle name is Marie, if you need to remember that. And then, um, (laughs) Facebook, Tara M Martin, of course. And my podcast is called the real journey show. And so if you want to check that out anywhere where podcasts are listened to, it's not all about education. I don't always have educators on there, but I always have someone sharing a real journey that shaped them into the person that they are today. And so I always like that piece as well. So yeah, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on all the socials, but if you go to my website, terramartin.com, you should be able to find everything you want to find there about me. Awesome, guys. All of that will be linked in the show notes. So make sure you check those out. Tara, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been amazing. Your message is powerful and much needed in today's world. So I just wanted to say thank you. And I appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. This has been fun. 
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this show with Tara. If you liked it, give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, give us a comment, tag us on social media, YouTube, wherever you listen or watch this and let us know what you think. And we'll see you next time. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.